0: Hello and welcome back to our podcast Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy and I'm here today with Bob Cohen from Ouroboros Story Hour and I'm so excited you know to have this conversation we try to actually connect once and the, the gods of the universe and the sound stem and technology just didn't, you know, we're not contributing so well. So we are doing this recording, but I believe everything is in perfect timing. So I'm happy to be here with you and welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Nina. It's it's a great treat to uh, get to talk about all this uh, about medicine. Um, in, in the in the in the default universe, uh, not everyone understands what we're talking about. So it's nice to it's it's nice to be able to connect with people who are sort of in the know, as it were.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and uh, let's start with your like more personal story because I know that you are an educator and a writer and a teacher. So uh, what, you know, how was your journey? What brought you to the medicine and how did you end up being involved in this whole scene?
1: (laughs) Not by any design of my own, I can tell you that for sure. Um, The universe decided that uh, my wife and I needed our asses kicked in 2008. And so um, she was the foremost expert in the country on attorney certification. She ran a national nonprofit. It was the foremost organization. Um, She hurt the feelings of the president of the board of directors in a meeting. And then he spent a year dismantling her career, turning her into a pile of goo engineering her ouster, and at that time um, she was the she well she was the breadwinner of the family uh, we I, I'm a writer so you know, when when it came time to have a family we um, we both agreed that she was the one with the stable job and the health insurance and I was the one with the cool job so I stayed home with um, I stayed home with our kids and so we hit this we, you know we hit this spot in 08 after she'd been working for the company for you know 22 three years something like that um and all of a sudden this high this six-figure salary just poof went away but in addition to the losing the money kind of like the way that he did it he destroyed her reputation and made it so it was impossible for her to get more work and I was in my early fifties. Yeah, I guess early fifties and having, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about the mommy track, the uh, in, in career world. Well, the daddy track is even worse because men look at people like me and they go, well, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? Why didn't you work for, for, you know, for, for almost 20 years. And it was all because this was the best situation for our family. And so it created a situation where, um, my wife was profoundly emotionally injured she was injured in her career we were with we, we, we lost our main source of income and I couldn't compensate for that because you don't plug back into the into the career world not having worked at a, at a company for 15 16 years and get a get a couple hundred thousand dollar salary so from um, so from 08 to about 20 Fourteen. So that's like the, we were in constant danger of losing our home. Uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't could barely pay our bills. I honestly, I don't, I, I, I look back at it. I don't know how the hell we survived. But at the end, when we hit that, when we hit 2013, um, I ended up um, having uh, been diagnosed with severe atherosclerosis. So that's clogging the arteries. So three of my four arteries were. Um, they, they were 99 percent clogged and so uh i we didn't have health insurance at the time and it was like oh well i guess i'm going to die because i didn't want to leave my family with medical debt and um through some miracle and you know, we were talking before about coincidence coincidences right so we kind of made a little too much money for to qualify for um what we call mass health like or, or people call obamacare now so um, my wife like called like every couple three weeks and just talked to people and talked to people and talked to people. She met a woman uh, the, the, in the last go around she met a woman named Luc,e L U C E, which is light in Spanish, right? And um, she, I don't, I don't know how she did it. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what she put in for income, but somehow or another, we got qual- got qualified. I ended up like two days later, you know, at uh, one of the best hospitals in the world for atherosclerosis. Um, The guy that I did, it was like the top guy for doing, um, for putting in stents. So they were able to stent me instead of crack my chest and do a bypass. And then I came home. And I thought that like between the, you know, between realizing that I wasn't going to die and, it felt like things were sort of like moving in a good direction. And when I came home from the hospital, I found out that my wife hadn't been paying the mortgage again. So I kind of like spiraled. It was just went. So that kind of gets like, like from December to the summer, I'm really like, I'm cooked now. Like I just, you know, I, 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 I just, with all the stress and, 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 and the disappointments and the life's not fair stuff, I just was like totally cooked. So, I happened to come across a couple of articles um, in the Washington Post, I think, about NYU psilocybin research. And I thought, hmm, like it piqued my curiosity. Uh, like I, I, I was always a beer guy when I was young, you know, I didn't do drugs. And so, but it's it somewhere somewhere along the line, I had an opportunity to try uh, to try mushrooms what uh, uh, once. And I remembered that experience and I kind of remembered the vision that I had and i thought huh and it's really funny how it happened in because i just knew that this was right and i just knew that this that that, that like that, that this was going to be the thing that was going to make the change for me kind of kind of in the same way that my wife tells me that uh, the day she met me she knew she was going to marry me and believe me when i tell you i was a moving target in those days <laughs> and and so um you know it it, it I just knew it was like, what? you know, like the, something, you know, something, something lit up, uh, actually not out here. It was inside. Like I felt this thing in my heart and I found myself in a situation where I was in my fifties and had no, had no ability to obtain the substances because, um, you know, I'm out of that, right? Like you're know, not young anymore. I don't I, like like there was a time I knew drug dealers. There was a time where I knew people who knew drug dealers and I had reached a time in my life where if I asked a young person for drugs, they would assume I was a cop. (laughs) So there I was and I didn't know what the hell to do. So I did what I do because I'm a writer and I started doing research and I discovered a, um, a, at that time a, a little psychedelic conference called horizons perspectives on psychedelics and it was held in New York columbus day weekend now we say indigenous day indigenous person's day but then we called it a columbus day so that like that mid, mid, mid-october meeting and i didn't have money uh, but i had some family there so i kind of figured out that uh, and and the tickets were super cheap so i went to i went to my family in new york traveled back and forth to the city at this to this to this conference so in one of the days actually it was the first day it was on saturday um, the NYU team was giving, you know, giving their, their talk. And then they had a Q and A at the end and I got up to the mic and it was a cheeky question. I got a good laugh out of the room, but I fundamentally asked the room asked the room where I could score drugs. So, you know, it caused, you know, it sent a ripple through the room and, and um, I later found out that um, a lot of people thought I was a cop on when I, when I did that. But one person really saw me. And her name is Mary Kay and um, I have permission to use her name. So uh, we'll, we'll um, so, so just, just so you know, and she came up to me at the end of the day and she, ba- she said, I hear you. I see you. I was there. I know somebody I needed to, I wanted to meet you and we, you know, I shared my, I shared some of my story and she said, I'm going to talk to my friend and I will, um, I'll, I'll Space with you tomorrow, so you know how it is at conferences and when you meet people, like they say they're going to do stuff, and maybe they do, and maybe they don't. The end of the, the, the next day comes around. We're, we're uh, the first, day, the first day was at the Judson Memorial Church, right in Washington Square. The second day was at the new school, which is also in the village. So we're at the new school at this beautiful auditorium. I start, I head on out, and she comes up to me and she goes, I talked to my friend, I can connect you. And so she gave me an email address and there was like, a, there was a, you know, a, some code words that you had to put in the subject of the, uh, of the email, you know, so that, the, so that the got the, the, recipient knew that, that I was, you know, on, I was in like, you know, it, it, I, I knew the password, right? So I connect up, I, I connect with him, we back and forth from October till January. And finally we agreed to that, that I would come back to New York and, Go to his apartment in, in in the Upper West Side, and have the, have an experience. So the, the i this person's name I won't mention, but he was a he was a well known trip sitter in New York.
0: And this was with psilocybin. Yep,
1: yeah, right. So this is where we started. Right. So I I, I go and. There was some conversation about dosage with somebody else I had and she was like, oh, you gotta take, you gotta do seven grams cause it's really gonna, you know, it's, it's really gonna, it's really gonna do you. So I, I, I get to this guy's apartment and I inform him what this mutual acquaintance of ours said about dosage and he goes, oh no, I said two and a half grams will be more than enough for you. So I said, all right, I took the two and a half grams and I got caught in kind of like in one of those loops so he, he said, do you want more? And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. So I have this really profound, profound, I mean, it's that experience that a lot of people talk about with, you know, with, 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 with psychedelics where magic happened, you know, it was just I mean, stuff happened. Like it moved a lot of stuff really fast and it kind of left me like, wow, I like i i lost weight in my soul in a way i guess is how i would think of it like i just felt lighter and it was it was the most extreme i I just i don't even i don't have words for it i've tried i've used lots of words to try to describe what happened but it just it moved stuff that was hanging around and interestingly enough i thought i had daddy problems because my father was like mean and overbearing and and you know and i was and i'm he viewed me as soft because I'm sensitive and I always thought I had daddy problems. Only it was this other thing. And when I saw that and then I saw it kind of like all disappear, it was like, okay, now I can begin. And one of the most, to me, one of the most interesting things that happened in that experience was that, that, First vision I had on mushrooms in in 1980 when I was sitting in a canoe on on, in an inlet in Bremerton, Washington, all by myself, came back to me exactly what it was. It was like and what it was was I was sitting in a canoe and I saw this duck kind of like moving around the points of the compass and kind of like telling me, like, look around, like helping me. Figure out what my path was, and there's this idea in uh, there's just when in sailing before they before GPS, when ships would leave the leave the harbor, they would do what's called boxing the compass. So that meant you oriented yourself and you made sure that your compass was working as as it was supposed to be. The second experience became the other half of the boxing of the compass, and this path started to open up for me and what i had to do because i didn't have contacts was i had to learn how to grow my own mushrooms and i did and i kept on going back to the um, horizons conference and about three years into it i became friends with a a guy named lex pelger whose name i have permission to use as well he works for um, uh, i'm having having a middle-aged moment uh, symposium he worked he he was he worked for symposium and he did these um he did these psychedelic storytelling things, and so we were talking about it, and he and I, he, we were remembering that day, that my first day at Horizons, and he said, "You know, I'm having an after party on Sunday night, so why don't you come along?" So here I am, you know, middle aged getting to be with all the cool kids in Brooklyn, you know, at it, a at an apartment in Bed Stuy. We talk, we get around, and he says, "You know, I want you to come back and tell the story." So I said, OK, I do. Uh, so I'm, I, I couch surf at this place again. I do. I do the thing in Brooklyn. And then coming into that following that, that following spring, I met a bunch of folks in Boston who were involved with an organization called the Boston in Inthe- theogenic network. And in connecting with them, it created an opportunity for me to create story hour. Because what happened was, in case you haven't figured it out, I like to talk and I like to tell stories and I knew that if I waited around for other people to invite me, my wait would be long. And I said, well, let's just make it happen. And so then story hour got created in 2017 and that sort of like began this new process. So as I kind of like got connected with the Boston community, I then got to have access to other opportunities. So one of which was to uh, an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, and it was with um, a woman. Um, I I probably shouldn't mention names because she carries you know, she carries medicine into, into the States, but she's based out of Brazil practices. uh, she, She practices something called Umbanda or actually Umbandaime. Um, and, That was like, kind of like that next experience, like, holy shit. And that year, so that this, we are getting into 2018, I somehow or another managed to go to an ayahuasca ceremony just about every month. And if it wasn't ayahuasca and again, through these connections, I also then got access to, um, San Pedro and worked with someone based out of Ecuador. And what I feel like has been really lucky for me is that. I got connected to ethical medicine carriers for well-trained medicine carriers, right? Because you know, a lot of what, a lot of what I see is I have subsequently seen with people is that they meet, you know, they, they want to do ayahuasca the you know, they, they know some, you know, some gringo that went down to went to Peru for two weeks and learned how to be a shaman has a, has a certificate and everything and said, yeah, I'm a shaman now they know how to brew the you know, they know how to brew the tea, but they haven't done their own work. So my friend from Brazil, she grew up in the Umbanda church. So she was, she didn't serve medicine until she was given permission by the people who were training her and the same thing with my, with my people in, in Ecuador, the, the couple that, that does it, the, the husband is, he's a, an indigenous chief grew up in that tradition and was kind of like bringing from the, you know, from, from from the South kind of bringing that here to the States to do what they could to help heal the world and 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 there it's been and I, I mean I've now I have subsequently traveled to Ecuador to work with um, with, with, with Santi and, and and Andrea and I have gone to I went to Brazil um, last March during um, during um, carnival so the retreat was called Carnacora. Cora so Carna Carnival Cora you know' is cure and we spent a week working with medicine working with what the Brazilians call daime working with you know working with the daime twice a day for a week on a farm you know three at three four hours um, outside of uh, São Paulo and it's just been like wow
0: wow like uh, I have so many questions you know and I would I, I want to hear more of your story. <laughs> So uh, my, my first question is that something that you mentioned that uh, after your first mushroom experience, you know, it was like a weight has been lifted and the path started to open. And and you mentioned how kind of your, your life was in a kind of life state of collapse, you know, before this experience. Yeah. We were literally called to the medicine as we always talk about the calling, you know, and this heart thing, this intuitive thing that we are feeling. And and then that was kind of your opening the door. And then this path started to widen and other plant teachers and, and human teachers came in. So... How how did that translate in your life? Like you starting to work with the medicine, creating the story around something. How did that manifest in your everyday life? How did your life change like on a practical level thanks to these experiences?
1: Oh, so many things. I mean, the the big thing was that, that dark cloud of despair dissipated. You know, when things are really bad and when, you know, and I, one thing I didn't mention um, in the, in, in the, in, the kind of like the lead up to um, in the lead up to horizons in 2014 was I was in my garage with a rope around my neck. I mean, and I'm, I, I, I don't do any more, but I used to rock climb. So I set up, I set up gallows that the, the knots would have held and, you know, I directed the force and it was, and if I had kicked the ladder out from under me, that would have been it. and I didn't do it because I didn't want my children to come home and find me because they were still in school. You know, and, and so get, like, when, when I discovered, you know, when, when I, when I discovered through my reading, the, um, that, that this psilocybin thing was out there, it was just sort of like, okay, because the psych meds that the, that the, you know, that, that the doctors were giving me made me worse. And I went to, uh, I actually, I didn't mention this either. I was uh, in a, I, I actually ended up in a, um, a partial admission psych pro, psych thing. And when I started talking about the ayahuasca and and, and, and psilocybin, they actually threatened to commit me because they thought it was drug seeking, you know? So, but like I knew, right? So, you know, I have this experience and this stuff kind of like this, the, the a big weight, like not all of it, you know, this is you know, everybody needs to understand that this is a process that, that, I, that all psychedelics are not a one and done thing. Right. But in that sort of like in, in, in that shedding of this very heavy weight, the way I related to people changed, um, the way I, uh, the, the, the way I carried my fears around our 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 family's well-being changed because i felt like okay there's a there's a way out of this if i do the work so i became more pleasant to be around (laughs) Um, i became more hopeful and i also and, and and i'm this was another one of the blessings from that time um you know like everybody else like i've been to therapy off and on you know most of my adult life, but the, the therapist I met at when I got out of the partial inpatient admission, she, we've been working together ever since she was amazing. And so she kind of like helped me start my writing again. So I'd been a writer for a long time. i would written novels, post-published full-time freelance writer and all that stuff. And then I didn't write for a long time. And since May of 2018, I've missed Let's 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 you know let's let's get, let's get wackier. I've missed maybe 7 days of writing. I made a, I made a commitment to write every single day. And so that happened. I mean that happened. And I've written because I counted it not too long ago. I'm getting into about 9,000 pages of stuff. That's 1,000 pages of stuff. Millions and millions of words since I resumed. Right now I've got three completed collections of poetry that I'm trying to, to market right now I'm working on ai am working on a fourth one um, I've got a novel in the can that I'm bringing back out and I'm working on a um, a, a memoir about my medicine my medicine experience so warm right and then in terms of like pr- in terms of the other aspects of my life I couldn't I, I I kind of found my path right so like I I, I i always wanted my, my it was always my intention to teach college and you know i kind of like got off that for different for different reasons i found my way back to that and i created you know and, and i created sto- and i created story hour and just month to month to month to month it just was like it built and it built and it grew and it created its own momentum and so here we are um so by 2015 because I, I had a big problem with money i, I just like made me nervous so by 2015 I had to take over the uh, task of doing the bills and I've not missed a payment for anything since 2015 like not a one like mortgages squared away I mean there's been some damage from that you know like because we had to with our with our mortgage we had to um, it's called a, a mortgage modification and so you know we were in our house like 15 16 years and you know if you know anything about mortgage loans you know there's an amortization curve right like in the beginning you pay more interest toward the end your payments go more to principal so they they set that back to zero but I got to keep my house we got to have the place a solid place for our children to grow up and and for them to not have that that disruption from uh, of of what really could what could happen and it was it was the medicine work it was the and when i say medicine work like the substances are part of it the community is part of it and the story work is part of it for me stories are medicine
0: yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that and the other parts of of this healing work. As you said, like, that you had a therapist, you know, for a mm-hmm. long time, you have been therapying before that was something that you did in conjunct with, you know, going to ceremonies. Uh, then you have this supportive community, and that was a big part of it. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think a lot of people focuses on the ceremony. And, you, you and, and the
1: substances, right. That. So it's like... It, <laughs> Integration has become a buzzword, and what happens with buzzwords is they tend to lose their impact and in their and in, in their and and their sort of like force of meaning. But what happens in 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 ceremonies? What happens when we take these substances is that we're communicating. I, I, I'm I could lean harder toward the you know sort of the science and psychology of this rather than the, the spiritual, although that kind of like that meter moves back and forth. But the way i look at it most of the time in my default reality is that medicine those substances give us access to the um uncon- our unconscious minds and our unconscious minds don't speak in french english portuguese romanian uh, arabic chinese it, It's it's its own language and so part of what ha what, you know part of the work of deriving the best the most benefit from working with psychedelics working with ayahuasca or any, or any of them is to start to you have to learn to speak i call it i call it it's for. Every, it's i call it learning i've been i've been learning to speak bob right? Like I need to understand like what those symbols mean. And it's sort of like when you think about like people like the hell of dreams and then they'll go to, uh, they'll go to a dream book and they'll say what, you know, what, what's a snake mean? What's a, what's a, what's a Hawk mean? And there is that cultural thing, you know, know, that Jungian, you know, collective unconscious thing. And that operates, I think, but at the same time we have to understand what those symbols mean to us idiosyncratically. And, And that doesn't happen by accident that's something that requires work to do so i wrote every day i was blessed especially in, in 20 in, especially in, in 2017 2018 i was blessed and actually let me dial that back 20 2014 going into 2015 i was i was blessed with a therapist who was open to using was open to medicine being a part of our work
0: and your therapist had personal experience with
1: the- <laughs> actually i want to i want to send this uh, the, a copy of this when uh, when 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 it gets done because we have this ongoing thing where she won't tell me and it, it like it comes up from time to time and i'll go well have you and she's you know i'm not going to tell you and and, and it's funny. i mean some it, it's a, it's sort of an interesting thing for us because sometimes it pisses me off Cause I'm like Jesus Christ, like it's no big deal. Like you, you're not going to lose your license if you tell me, and you're not going to influence what I do now. Because I mean, I've, I've been at this for, for for seven, eight years. She still won't tell me. But what she was was really open to the work, and really open to sort of like the the. Sp- Psychospiritual part of the journey because i said before that i kind of like i lean pretty hard into into the, into the western framework for this but you know these medicines or they give me experiences that i can't explain that way and so you know i like never in my life did i ever talk about chakras like never in my life did i talk about like etheric realms and and, and connecting with people and, and energy and all that kind of stuff And she's a, she's a yoga teacher also. And, and so like, she was sort of like, she understood the language and, and kind of bore witness to my evolution in learning how to like bring that language into the conversation. And she was always open to what would happen when I would come back from a journey. So I would go most of my journey work was, you know, pop-up ceremonies, underground, blah, blah, blah. Right. So. You go the, you know I'd go do the things and then on Monday or Tuesday that I'd be in therapy and I'd go twice a week and we would talk about what happened. and we would talk about the experiences. and she listened and that like having that place where I could process my experiences verbally, which is despite the fact that I write, the, the verbal is my primary medium for for thinking it she helped me sort of process the what what i saw what i learned and we did it over time so i'm writing about what i'm writing about what happened i'm talking about what happened i'm having these experiences i have relationships with uh, experienced medicine carriers and with all of those things together you know you begin to have more of the puzzle gets but more more of the puzzle gets put up gets put up and the and and what and what the things are become a little more apparent
0: absolutely absolutely and um you know this part of Um, reflecting back to our story which is verbalizing it or even writing about it I I do use this with my clients I ask them to keep a daily journal throughout their whole process you know I find this is like so important and it helps us to to be more present and more aware of what's happening inside of us and then when we are sharing it we also like expressing you know in a different way and, um, and oftentimes, you know, new um, layers come up as we are talking about and sharing our own story. And, and when we're listening to other people's stories, that's another like really important point. As you said, yeah. the listening part, it just really, um, we find so many little parts that resonate and that we yeah. learn from or that it helps us to connect certain dots and, and things like that so um, since you have this amazing story hour and and i'm sure there's more, many people share their stories can you can you share a couple of examples how this storytelling and sharing and 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 being in community like can can help people or help in their process in their evolution oh, in the it,
1: it's so essential I, I just just before i kind of like directly answer that question you know one of the Lesson, one of the things that I've learned about human consciousness is that our brains are really storytelling machines. Our bodies are walking. Our bodies are mobile sensor arrays. We we smell, we taste, we touch, right? We walk around and we take in lots of information. Our consciousness tells stories about that information, and they you know, they 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 make it into they make it into frames, and so. Whatever story you tell about whatever it is that just happened is becomes what your reality is. So, I know, I didn't invent anything new. You know, you know, Buddha said that a long time ago. You know that you, you and this, and the way you, in the way you dissolve karma is to change, change the story to be present. Actually, for, I think for Buddhism, it's more like don't tell the story, right? I think that for me, you can't stay in those states forever, so it's important to tell stories that support your best life. So we, so, so what, what happens in, in, in that storytelling space is that people have an opportunity to think deeply about what they do because the format, my my format is very long form. Um, and, and I give people at least, I tell people between 20 minutes and a half hour and I, I don't you know, I don't push people around but I tell them don't bring, don't bring notes said <laughs> so unscripted find your story you will find it and I'm going to give you an, and the, the, the container is designed to give you enough time to find the story don't worry if it does if it if you feel like you're not doing a good job at the beginning if you feel like you're flailing you will find it and then when that happens you're gonna you're, you're gonna your story is gonna lay right in that Aristotelian story model you know beginning, rising action, you know, the, 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 climax falling action, all that stuff like it happens just by, by magic because that's how stories work. And so in the room at a storytelling session at any given time are people who are, um, as Jimmy Hendrix as Jimmy Hendricks would say, who are experienced, right? There are people who are curious about it. And I'm sure that more than once they were, uh, law enforcement was in the room. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sure of that. But what happens is like that act, that act of like telling and being witnessed and having the opportunity to kind of like think about what the takeaways are, what the story is from a given experience really helps with people integrating. Here's, there's a buzzword again, right? It really helps people integrate their experiences more deeply and I tried to like, I didn't, I, I, what I kind of tried to do, and this is, this is a nod back to the sixties, um, and the, and the, the Kenkisi acid test days. So one of the interesting things about where the Grateful Dead came from was that like they kind of viewed themselves and the audience as one entity and they didn't separate them. So like they blurred the boundaries and the, you know, the acid was kind of like what helped that and all the disorienting, disorienting lights and sort of like the whole, the whole stick for the acid tests it blurred all the boundaries so storyteller becomes story receiver becomes story re- it, it, like there's this sort of like flow between everyone that's present in the moment and then we make something that's we make something together out of these out of, out of these sort of like if you can think you can think of a person as a data point in the universe right like with these data points like they expand outward a lot like what happens when we take what can happen on med- with med- medicine experiences when we have those moments of singularity you know where you're a data point you're the whole universe like you're everything and then you're and then you are actually you understand that like there's something outside of your everything and like you see all of this all at once the whole the whole uh, t- tantric thing right like the fourth, fourth level of tantric, whatever it, it that's kind of what often happens in, in story hour. And so people will, you know, I've, I've had people come and say, wow, you know, I learned so many things about that experience when I shared my story that I didn't realize. And I go, Oh, this is perfect, right? Like this is what, and, and I've had people come to me and say, you know, just, knowing that the stuff is out here, you know, it kind of sent me along this path. And, you know, not everybody that shows up goes on to drink ayahuasca or or, or take mushrooms or, or whatever, but they kind of like, they, it expands their vision, right? Like it's, they, they, they understand more about the way consciousness works and more about how so much of how we look at the world, Is based on the stories we tell and how we have the ability to reframe the stories, retell the stories. You can't change the, you know, you can't change the ingredients, but you can change how they relate to one another, and then you can change how you understand those ingredients in total.
0: Yeah, the perspective, right? You can look from a different perspective, and that will change the whole story, and it could be the same reality, but you were looking at it from a different vantage point and that we'll make it a different story
1: yeah exactly i do this i do this as assi- because I, I teach um first year writing in college so i do this assignment with my students in fact i'm i was grading papers from this assignment this morning uh, I i show them a, a um uh, a 20 like a 25 minute documentary about this boxer named michael bent who um never wanted to box his father made him uh, he went out to become world champion he got hit he went into a coma brain damage He can never box again and then that's when he looked that's when he discovered his true path which was as a writer and a creative person and I asked them to watch this and then I asked them to reflect on this phrase sometimes you win when you lose and sometimes you lose when you win and then I say all right let's think about this guy's life think about your life and then let's see what we can come up with and it always leads to really interesting things because people like we tend to think of like well when you win we always want to win right well actually you don't and actually uh, unfortunately or force I don't know I don't know how I feel about this because it hurts it hurts when you lose right whatever it is but those things those things are necessary right like those 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 catastrophic failures are the universe telling you you go in the wrong direction, dude, go, you know, go someplace else. And you you know, yeah, it sucks. It hurts. And like now, like this this is what 2022. So I look back to, and I've been reflecting on this lately. Like I look back to that time when, when everything blew up and I understand now that it had to happen because my wife was brilliant. She was very good at her job. It was a toxic environment and she wasn't happy. She, I mean, she wasn't, I mean, we were comfortable, you know, we stayed at first class hotels. We have a, I mean, thank God, I kept, we got to keep it. We have a nice house, you know, we have, you know, new cars, like all that stuff, but that stuff had to change. And so it did. Oh, you mean to hurt like Alpid?
0: <laughs> yes, that that's that's such a beautiful example of looking at the same events, you know, from a different point, and and, and this, you know, uh, you with gratitude, you know, and with understanding, and and so, can you tell us how your story changed, you know, during all these years from that being the poor, sick, defeated. <laughs> despaired victim of life and what is the story that you are currently telling
1: about yourself i don't know it's all it's it's in constant evolution <laughs> uh, i guess the kind of the story that i'm telling myself it's it's kind of like my mission right now is to redefine what it means to age because a lot of people when they hit I, 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 I don't even like to say this out loud, but I just turned 65 in, um, in in September and, you know, I have to sign up for Medicare, which I don't want to sign up for Right. Like, I, I'm like, I'm still, I've got lots of vigor, vital, all that stuff. Like, I don't want to deal with it. So what I'm trying, like, what I'm trying to do going forward is to take, is to redefine what that means. Like, don't I don't have to lay down if I don't want to if I want to I can right but I don't have to and I view myself as hold on a second Alexa stop um, sorry I, I said a timer um, I, I, I view this this next section of my life is not an ending and not even like a not not even another act because like a lot of people will will kind of break up will say that you know that like there are no second acts in American life or that, that you're when you you get to be my age, like you're in the final act of your life. I'm telling a whole new fucking story that's going to have its own first, second, and third act. You know, and and it's, I'm going to die someday. I'm going to, you know, my my faculties are going to fail me at some point. But, and and this was like, this was my my first teaching when um, the first time I drank ayahuasca because like the aging thing was very much on my mind. Grandmother told me, you know, live your life until it's time to not live your life and your body will tell you when that's when that time is meanwhile live your life right and it was I'm trying to remember um, there, I, I, she gave me like a very specific phrase that you know I'm, I'm not remembering right now because you know I'm floating along on a big raft of words right um but it was just fundamentally like just knock it off and go to work like not, not go to work just be just be so here we are right and we're actually in this moment we're actually experiencing a um, what I, I might call a an aftershock from the original um, you know from the original trauma because what what what, you know what and, this, and, and I can say this guy's name because he's dead now so this guy's his name is Barry Nace what Barry Nace did to my wife injured her so badly that um, she ended up getting, having a long-term disability policy. So you in, in which we wouldn't otherwise be collecting right now, but the company that, uh, you know, that that's been paying out on the policy decided over the summer that, uh, oh, fuck you, you know, you're, you're okay now because she kind of went on, she moved on a little bit and, and she's she's doing some work, but it's not like what she used to do. So we've been bereft of a very, probably about 70% of our income since um since august so like i'm we're we're not, we're kind of like living off of savings right now and it really sucks but i'm not as afraid now as it was when that trauma first hit and i kind of like even even like even with this story i kind of view it as a validation of the growth in the work that we've done over the, over the, over the past uh, 14, 15 years. Cause when, you know, when, when the first shock hit, we were spending it as fast as we were making it. There was no savings, right? Like it was just new cars, vacations, like, but hundred dollar bottles of scotch. I love whiskey. You know, we were spending it as fast as we make, as we made it. So when the shit hit the fan, you know, we ended up having to spend, um, our retirement and our, um, and and our kids college funds and that all ran out eventually. And then we sort of like got down to uh, where we were just literally living off of that policy. And then subsequently we've kind of like built back up on top of that. And as things started, you know, as that opened up, we saved money. So when we had this last go around, you know, we were able we we have been able so far to not have to change our lifestyle yet and survive and we've hired a lawyer because it was it was a don't even get me started it was like a, it was a, it was just a, it was you know, scumbag insurance company stuff you know they, they they brought in some guy that you know made made up a bunch of bullshit. so we've hired a lawyer and then and we, we, we you know the likelihood is that we're gonna it's all gonna work out and they're gonna have to give us the money that they didn't give us but here we are and i'm afraid it sucks like i look you know, i pay my bills and i'm like you know I don't like to, who likes taking money out of savings right like you're not supposed to do that that's just supposed to be there for the rainy day you never have so you can give it to your kids when you die right um it's but i feel less afraid now
0: mm. That's so important, I think, what you're saying, because uh, that that original state of fear and despair that you described at the beginning. Uh, I think a lot of people go through these periods of life when when they feel that way and feel in that very disempowered, hopeless, like state when you when you really feel trapped in a situation and you don't see the way out and you don't think that you can do anything about what's happening kind of to you and i think you know like plant medicine especially the ayahuasca like really helps us to take that power back and to realize, you know, that we do have a choice and we do have a power to write our own story and to make uh, different decisions and, and, I always say to people that what I learned, the the medicine doesn't solve your life problems and will make sure that you never have a problem again, but what it helps you to do is to helps you navigate it in a different way. So next time when you are in a crisis or under stress or something, the way you're gonna respond to that, the way you're gonna move through that period and how you're gonna feel about it will be completely different. As you're saying, you know, you wanted to kill yourself last time you went through this and now you are like we're gonna get through this and everything's gonna be just fine you know like
1: totally yeah right don't get me wrong I have my moments I mean I I, you know I when I think about sort of like the you know the nature of insurance companies like I I know that the game that they played the game is that that you know that because she has a high value she has a high value policy and so every so often they they look they look at they look at people who are making that much and they kick a bunch of them off knowing that most of them are probably going to hire a lawyer and get back on, but they're going to lose a few and it is so fucking cynical. I mean, sorry, I apologize for the language, but you know, it's, it's so cynical because it's literally to save a couple of bucks. And you know, you look at Unim as a, a multi multi-billion dollar insurance company and they're like, they're sweating our asses over, you know, this, like, this, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Like, really? Like, and all the people that she's worked with, like, they're all, you know, people. There's one woman she'd worked with for all these years, and it's like, she's going to get a bigger bonus because they fucked us over. Right. And you look at that and you go, really? And, you know, there are moments, I have moments where, you know, I want to knock somebody's block off. I have moments like, you I, just paid my bills the other day. I'm taking money out of the savings account and I'm watching it go down. And I'm like, well, we got, you know, we got to get this sorted sooner rather than later. Right. Because otherwise we're going to have to start liquidating more, more assets at some point, if we don't square this away, you know, we're not young anymore. Right. So my, my run, my runway for take, for takeoff is a lot shorter than it used to be. So I don't, it's really scary to think what would happen if this didn't work out how we need for it to work out. Um, there's a lot less time and a lot less maneuvering room, uh, particularly because like people don't want to give people my age a job. Like they think you know they they, they think that like you know that we we're, we're we're we have fixed mindsets. And I'm like, yeah come yeah, come uh, come to Vision Quest with me next year to Ecuador and sit, sit you know sit next to me for. You know, for, for for a week, don't eat and drink for four days and four nights. Break your fast with uh, with, with a half a gallon of um, of San Pedro tea, and then don't eat and drink again for another three or four days. And let's see who's got the flexible mind, right? You know, you, you, if 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 this is, if if it's, it's visual, you won't see it. But I just flipped off the camera, like screw you, because you're not going to keep up with me. But here here's where we are, right? So yeah, but by and large, in this moment. I'm relying heavily on the work that I've done since 2015. And here's the really, the really interesting thing. Um, I've had a lot less access to medicine lately, you know, because of the pandemic and I would, I think part of me really wants to go back, you know, wants to be in ceremony to kind of reinforce things. But I feel like the medicine saying, look, which you, you, you we've supported you 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 got to do the work now,
0: you know, oh, we, we, this is so good, what you were just saying, you know that you know you, you you can do it, you don't need you know to drinks you can you, and, and and it is it is super empowering when you navigate these situations without any external crutches. Right. Also to say, and and I think that one one of the things that I learned from the medicine is that that this kind of self empowerment, you know, that we go through, and and the, the the knowing that oh I can get through this, I can handle this, you know, I'm going to come out, and that's really something, you know, that that she helps with. Otherwise, it would be just another reliance on something external, right. such as a guru or a teacher or any kind of substance. And I think that's that's kind of you know really important um to understand. I'm really curious about because um, you know, I I uh, most of my experiences with the ayahuasca, but I also sit with all of the other plants that you mentioned. I do feel, you know, for me that there is a difference. Do you feel that there is a difference specifically ayahuasca and other plants? And and absolutely formalize it in what uh, do you feel sure. is in-
1: Sure. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. So I think of ayahuasca as a storytelling medicine. And when I, when I journey, I can, and and I can, and I, and I come back and I think about what happened later on. Like I see a very clear story arc in the experiences, you know, and it, I mean, from the science point of view it probably corresponds to you know the way the way we metabolize the dmt and all that stuff but i see like a very clear um a a very clear story with san pedro it's a there's different medicine so uh, san pedro's phenethylamine so it's a different class of different drug class and we think of that as sort of more of an empathogen, a heart opening thing for me, and less of a storytelling thing, I'm aware that people have visions and I have had visions with San Pedro, but for the most part, it's sort of this opening of the heart, which allows, which allows me to sort of like work with my psychic material in the stories I tell about myself in a compassionate way, because one of the wor- one of the things that we have all been trained to do, especially all of us who come from, um, fr- from Europe, and people we don't nobody. nobody in America talks about this but most of most of us people of European descent came from peasants who had been peasants for thousands of years you know we're carrying all this like really shitty generational trauma and and so part and part of that generational trauma really makes us so that we're we've learned to blame ourselves for our misfortune rather than just under seeing it for what it is so the San Pedro sort of like opens up my heart and allows me to sort of like look at the story without the self-loathing, without the, without the hatred, without the, the, the anger at the circumstances. And then, you know, when you do it in ceremony and you know, versus, you know, versus doing it home by yourself, you're with this whole group of people who are kind of like whose hearts are opened as well. So my favorite part of the the San Pedro ceremonies is not the medicine. It's the morning after, because it takes uh, the half-life on San Pedro. is really long. So and and we drink a lot with, you know, with Santi and Andrea, like we, we drink a lot. And so like, we'll have like three, four doses over the course of the night. So after we go to sunrise, right? So after sunrise, we break the circle and then we talk. And the conversations that get had in that space are just, so god I, I hate saying stuff like this but it they're deep like they're 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 they we really touch each other in a way that we don't when we're outside of those spaces and I mean that happens with the ayahuasca as well but the, it's kind of like the 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 journey's a lot less defined and even so even if you look at say like mushrooms so mushrooms and um and, and ayahuasca are both dmT based medicines or drugs, drug classes, however you want to, uh, however you want to refer to it, but the actions are different. The, you know, the kind of like the profile of the experience is different. So like I, uh, m- mushrooms, if you look at the, if you look at the, uh, the, 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 effects curve mushrooms has a very steep climb and, and it hits like it hits the peak within about two hours, but it has an equally fast fall off. And so, like the like the shape of the stories that come out of that are different. So I've, I've explained it, you know, I've explained it through the science. Um, if you th- if you kind of like think about it, uh, like we, we talk about, I refer to ayahuasca's grandmother, right? Like so, grandmother teaches differently from San Pedro, who is grandfather, who is different from Los Niños Santos, which is mushrooms, right? Like they they all like they all kind of like. They work a little differently, and like I've I've done um, I've been experimenting a little bit with uh, MDMA in the last two years, and that's like another one like because it's a phenethylamine like San Pedro but it's a chem- you know it's a chemical so it's like a little different but that like that kind of like fits more in the in the San Pedro thing it's more social it's more heart opening um, I did LSD once. And it's the only it's the only psychedelic i have done recreationally in the last eight years and it was a fun 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 experience but it was very social and and it was just a goofy night like i said i saw you know little elves and, and plants talk to me and but it was like not it wasn't a teacher so much as a you know yeah you deserve a good time tonight kind of thing i was at a, at a, at a regional burn and you know it was it was fun i danced around a fire naked you know like it was just so yeah so <sighs> i think the way i think that kind of how i characterize it is that ayahuasca is a storytelling is a storytelling medicine and the spirit that inhabits it grandmother like that that framework and you know we can say all right well, so the framework is someone told us it was a it was a a feminine spirit and therefore we frame it that way in our consciousness and maybe that's true i don't know but it it's just different and and grandma is not always nice (laughs) you know grandma grandma loves tough love
0: yeah we can we can have a whole another episode about that but for today i want to end it (laughs) with this question that how how did your family you know, you know uh, opening this psychedelic pathway for yourself and and uh, how did your family kind of adapt to this uh, uh, your your wife and your children?
1: That's a wonderful question. I, it, it really is because there, there I mean there's a there, there's a beautiful story in that because when. I opened up to, you know, when this stuff came to me and I started talking about it, my wife for, both by her predilection before the trauma and after, she's a very cautious person. And she, um, you know, she does, she's a rule follower. So she does what, and and so, you know, drugs are bad, right? But we were at this point where, you know, she was kind of like totally lost in her trauma and and her, her sadness. And I was lost in mind and I said, look, I have to try this I said, I can't, I don't, and I didn't tell her at that time that, you know, that I was like, you know, I, I was millimeters away from, 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 you know, from dangling from a rope in my garage. Um, I said, I have to try this. I said, because this other stuff's not working for me I, and, and we have young children and we have to make this work. So, she from like from day one because because she's kind of a nervous person and she's fragile from the other stuff every time I would go to a ceremony she was absolutely convinced I was gonna die that night and she would tell me so as I was walking out the door and my young friends would and and my young friends would say oh she's just trying to control you you should leave her and all this stuff I'm like no you don't understand the gift that she's giving me is that she is she says go she, and she's communicating to me that she is willing to f- sit with this abject fear of what's going to happen to me because she's trusting that the, the path I'm walking right now is the right one for me and like, let that, like, let, let that sink in a little bit. Like you, it's, it's almost like I you know was going out to war kind of thing, right? Like where she was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again but go so part of it was like for me like my personal awakening was that before that those depths i would never have been able to walk out the door but i knew that i needed to do that and so that gave me the strength to walk out the door she i think would have made it in in different circumstances may have made it a lot harder for me to walk out the door and I likely would have stayed and it would have built resentment. And who knows what, you know, who knows where things would have gone. So over the years, you know, we, 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 this like our ritual, you know, and, and so I always agree to call her and I wait until we break the circle and then I'm, And and I always have someone standing next to me to make sure I don't say something that, because you know, those those are fragile mental states, right? Like got to be careful about what you say. And you know, I'm always just like, okay, circle's broken. I'm okay. See you later. And we've kind of like gone on like that since 2018 where it's this kind of like moving movement in and out of like, well, (laughs) the death space. Um, it changed a little bit when I started going to Ecuador in 2019 because I've been doing Vision quests and, and working with San Pedro. So I'm away for three weeks, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I text her periodically. But you know, there's no way to you know, there, there's no way to do that um, to, to for her to get the kind of reassurance that she might otherwise have needed. And so it's been she's kind of like become a little more comfortable with it. And then this year past, um, I've now become close enough with my medicine carrier to have her come stay at my home when she's in the Boston area. And so she came, she came to stay with us earlier this year. And that was just like, it really, when, when, when Bobby met my person, you know, my, 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 my medicine carrier and understood who, like really got to be with her and see what kind of person she was and with her friend who helps her, it kind of like totally. She, she, I don't think she worries as much anymore. And, you know, I've asked her this question like, well, do you, you know, what differences do you notice? So I was raised as a you know, very typical toxic male, right? Like you I had, you had two modes of expression, you know, silence and rage. Right. And the, the bandwidth was really, 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 really narrow. And I over time that bandwidth has opened up a lot and I'm now allowing myself to be vulnerable to say I'm afraid to say I'm scared Um, and I think that or I hope anyway that you know that that's sort of like strengthened our relationship but just as important is what I model for my children so my kids are 26 and 22 now so they really grew up with dad walking the medicine path and I don't hide things from my children so they knew I mean I grew mushrooms in my in my in my study up here um, and told them what I said I'm this I'm growing medicine because I don't like because the medicine that the doctors give me doesn't help this helps me so they're kind of like saw that and they I think were given they, they were shown a model where it's not only permissible but sometimes essential to to color outside the lines to make the beautiful picture
0: oh my god i love this oh that was so beautifully sad i love this metaphor this this picture color out outside of the line to make a beautiful yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's so perfect to to just you know wrap up the whole and medicine you know it's really like going out of your comfort zone going out of the known of the familiar yeah. going out of the box going out of the line i think that's very much describes you know in general these experiences and uh, yeah i would love to have you for more episodes because lots of stories are there i think that can be shared
1: Oh, no, abso- absolutely. It, it's actually, you know, this kind of like thing is what scares me about um, what's happening in, in, in the psychedelic world right now, because uh, I, I, it, I just went to the last uh, Horizons a couple weeks ago, and, you know, with the Decrim movement gaining, you know, getting, you know gaining steam, you know, with different celebrities uh, making this part of popular culture, and with MAPS being on the verge of getting MDMA rescheduled... All the finance bros are, are like they're they're foaming at their mouth. Like I said, like the blood's in the water, right? And I'm so afraid that the like the commoditization of the medicines, you know, with the patents and 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 you know the 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 rules and, and like all these other things that are sort of like outside of the traditional approaches to this. I'm so afraid, like they're, they're, it's not that it's not gonna, it's not gonna work in the end. I don't think. I mean, you look at like something like Peter Thiel, right? Uh, the, the PayPal guy, like he just he just threw a shit ton of money at, at, at some psilocybin startup, like, and and so you have always have to ask yourself when when wealthy people are throwing money at something, why do they do it? It's so that they can stay wealthy and they can keep their power, right? So like, what's going on here that you know that that that, that, that we need to worry about? So we like in these more traditional practices, like we have to kind of you know we we have to uphold
0: yeah definitely and i think that's also like can be a whole other conversation what's happening yeah. we can bridge the gap between you know the cultural traditional use then bringing this medicine to the west you know creating safe places having people with integrity having you know some kind of education around it so yeah there there there, there is a lot to share uh where can people go to listen to the story? okay
1: right to to so here, just the, the so i would to totally to, to like kind of get this like back to story hours so two things are going on um i i started this in 2017 and i put on a show a month every single month until like last january january february i can't remember what um because of the pandemic i had no money coming in and i was spending 30 40 hours editing video and um, spending money on lots of different things and the, you know, the energy exchange stopped supporting my ability to, my ability to do the work. So I've put story hour on hiatus for a while. I'm now getting ready to start thinking about, I'm actually, I'm thinking about it. I know where I'm, what I'm doing next. I'm going back to live shows and I'm also going to travel. So if you want to see old the, the, the content to date, you can go to, um, Facebook. Let me see if I can, because I keep my content uh, both on Facebook and on YouTube, but mostly Facebook. So it's Ouroboros story hour. So, and it's, I think that the way that you express the, the, the link is it's at, and then Ouroboros story hour, all one word.
0: Yeah. We're we going to put your link. in sure. the so Right.
1: The, so you, you can find stuff there and then you can also go to YouTube and let me see if I can do. If you, you you can go to youtube.com slash or story hour, all one word. And that will bring you to the content that I have on YouTube. So that stuff is edited, processed, um, packaged as, as shows. And it's pretty cool. Like people, people will still, still watch it. And, you know, and, and, and I still, I still get uh, notes. I still get notes about that. So what I'm looking for though, like, as I kind of come back, come out of hiatus and start going into the live thing is, you know, I, I have to do like some kind of Kickstarter so that I can fund the travel because my, my idea is I actually want to do, i want to go, um, South and, and host shows in, you know, in Mexico and, and, and further South, because I want to make sure that the medicine carriers have a voice in the conversation.
0: That's awesome. So big shout out to all the people who are listening and going to listen to this episode. If you have any means, you know, to contribute and if you feel called to support this, I think it's very important that, uh, you know, those voices are heard. And it's yeah. a cool idea what you have, then you they can connect with you through your pages, yeah. and 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 just yeah collaborate on this. It could,
1: yeah, and, and I and, and so one of the like the coolest thing about the uh, pandemic was that I had an opportunity to sort of like expand my the, the people that would come and tell stories. So like I had a show once where somebody from Hawaii was calling at the same time as someone from South Africa, right? So like I've now had an opportunity to to meet people virtually all over the world so i want to kind of like move the show around a little bit so we're going to start here locally uh to kind of like tweak the tweak the format a little bit and you know get our you know get get our feet wet but i'm hoping come come when, when, when school's over in may like i'm going to spend the summer out running out having this, these conversations and these stories with lots with, with, with lots of people
0: awesome thank you thank you so much for sharing your story with us because you're normally listening to the story so it's nice yeah. to, to say, show your so, story. and yeah i would love to have more continue you know more conversations but try to keep you know an episode around an hour so people sure, sure. That.
1: <laughs> i'd like to leave you with one thing so i mentioned that um that you know that I, I went back to writing poetry so this poem is part part of a collection called whiskey cool jazz and ayahuasca excursions and in, excursions into flow state and so there's and like and the, like the 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 gist of the 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 book is sort of like different ways that we we play with consciousness and and how we can sort of like alter it and and, and um and and learn learn to play with it and learn to shape it in ways that are beneficial for us so i want to read a poem called it's called and pl- forgive my awful spanish but it just is what it is the 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 it's it, the the poem is called mi corazón es el camino de la, de la medicina which means um i have to which means my heart is the medicine path and i start with an epigraph from um antonio machado who's a spanish a, 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 a spanish um, Poet and it's cominante no he camino sino estelas in la mar, which in the prose translation is wanderer, your footsteps are the road and nothing more. Wanderer, there is no road, the road is made by walking. And this is like an expression of the discovery, this is what I have learned from from taking medicine. So the poem reads, No road only wakes upon the sea. Feels right just now. I long to know other languages, so I can connect in thought with the healers, the shamans, the curanderos, and maestros who tread the path and wait for me ahead. Just as jazz lives in my heart, but not upon my fingertips, medicine flows through my blood, while Spanish and Portuguese dwell in other chambers within its beating walls, but not upon my tongue. Still, I trust firm ground will rise to meet me, my footfalls. So that I, so that should I look behind, the connections will shimmer briefly in the fading light, and I will not fear to take the next step forward.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing this beautiful poem. And uh, yeah, we're gonna share your your links and availability and and just blessings on your path. Yeah. Oh. Discoveries and sharing of the good stories and the good medicines, and thank you for being here today and Um, (laughs) continuously.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for 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 connecting. And like like our connection was you know from this. I think we we didn't we've never we've never talked to each other in the real world, right? Or or or, well, you know, in in three dimensional space, right? But we we connected from this, and I, I feel like the medicine brought us together
0: definitely and definitely. and I, I
1: love what you do and and and, and i want you to I hope you keep on doing what you do thank you so much thank nina
0: you. yeah thank you and thank you all for listening keep uh, stay tuned for our next episode and check out my website avatarhealingarts.com for everything that we are up to right now so see you soon in the next episode and have a wonderful magical day